facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey folks, I am back, back in the chair, back behind the mic. And I'm so thrilled to be here talking to you right now. I'm Kale Clark. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. And you can call in right now to talk to me for free, 888-914-9149, So good to be with you on this Thursday, October the 26th, 2023. And I've been, I've been out for a couple of days. You might, might have noticed. My thanks to Brooke Taylor for sitting in yesterday. I had a couple of really powerful interviews. If you haven't heard that episode, uh, by all means, check the podcast on relevantradio.com or the app. We had a couple of classic episodes from the show. The reason why I've been gone is because I, I had COVID. I had COVID. Remember the days when you had to kind of hide the fact that you had COVID and you, were, you didn't want anybody to know in case they took you away, you know? <laughs> put you in a COVID hotel at your own expense for a few days and who knows what they would do to you. But now it's kind of, I don't know, it's almost a point of pride. How many, how many variants have you had? Well, I'm not sure which one this is. I, I, I'm guessing it's the B.A. Baracus variant. And uh, if you're a child of the 80s, you'll know exactly what that means. If I have to explain the jokes, they're not funny. but And they may still not be funny. But I'm really happy to be back. Um, I, am, I don't think I'm contagious anymore. I'm not 100%. It was kind of a game-time decision, but uh, I'm here. Um, my nose is running like a faucet. I probably sound a little different, but I'm very happy to be here. I'm very happy to be back. And Unfortunately, I, I have to tell you something else, too. A lot of you guys have been praying for us. I really appreciate that. And you know that Michaela was supposed to make her first communion this past Sunday. Well, she wasn't able to because she had COVID as well. She had COVID uh, Mama Trish got COVID, and of course I got it as well. It was almost inevitable. but uh, So we're going to have to reschedule that uh, First Communion for Michaela. She was really disappointed, but uh, hopefully this will increase her desire. She's making spiritual communions, and uh, she can't wait to receive the Eucharist for the first time. So we'll, we'll let you know about that, but uh, thank you for your prayers. Keep praying for us. But I'm really, really happy to be back. Producer Jim, it's good to be with you, man. Great to have you back, man. Uh, I'll tell you, it's, it feels like I've been gone for months, but it's only been a few days, and we've got lots to talk about. You know what, you know what we've decided to do today? With, with producer Jim's permission, I have decided to hand over this episode to the League of Shadow producers, somewhat like the League of Shadows in Batman Begins, but they're, they're not nefarious like those guys. But the League of Shadow producers, that's essentially you, the listeners to this program, and I ask you guys all the time, Send me articles, send me ideas for the show, stuff you think I might have a take on, stuff you want me to talk about, love to hear from you. And you can email me, you can email the program, your ideas, your links. And the address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. You can also find me on the X app, X slash Twitter, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. You can flip me something over there as well. Got a couple of excellent pieces to share with you from the shadow producers and I, I was really blown away by them so I'm going to share them with you so it's your show today and you can chime in as well as we talk about this stuff 888 now the first one I got now he, I, I call him a shadow producer because, but technically technically he is actually a relevant radio producer I'm talking about our good friend Patrick Alog who is floating somewhere around the facility as we speak 
Uh, Miranda Sinaceros is working the phone today. By the way, Miranda had a really cool graphic for this episode, and we're calling it Profits for Our Age, the Profits of Our Age. Uh, check it out on, on social media if you didn't see it on, our, um, on the Relevant Radio page, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Really cool image. And you might have been wondering, what is this all about? Well, it's about the quote-unquote major prophets of our age. These are writers who lived in the 20th century, who wrote in the 20th century just a few decades ago. And it's kind of, it, by the way, it's kind of embarrassing when people, you know, young people tell you, hey, you were born in the late 1900s. It's like, oh my goodness, I, I'm just out of, out of touch already. But, but these, these are writers who wrote decades ago in the 1900s, yeah, way back when, who have eerily and uncannily predicted the exact situation in which we find ourselves in today's culture. I, I'm, uh, it's, this is a piece that was sent to me again by Patrick Alog. It was in the National Catholic Register blog. And I'm going to tell you about this in a second. So the article was called The Major Prophets of Our Time. So who are they? I'll tell you in a second. But it's kind of a riff off the major prophets in the Bible, right? And I'm sure you guys could rattle them off. The major prophets and the minor prophets in, 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 the, in the Bible. Producer Jim, hey, I, you have a first-class Catholic education. Should I put you on the spot here? No. No, that, no, that, that'd, be, <laughs> that'd be so cruel. I wouldn't even do this to myself. I had, I, had to, I had to Google some of this stuff, to be honest with you. But the major prophets in the Bible, we can probably guess who they might be, right? Who are the major prophets? Just give me one major prophet, Jim, just one. Uh, Jeremiah. You got it. The weeping prophet, Jeremiah. <laughs> we, we might also throw in uh, Lamentations and Baruch. People throw that in with Jeremiah. There's, of course, the book of Isaiah. Who could forget Isaiah? There's uh, the book of Ezekiel. He's also a major prophet, Ezekiel. Easy E, as I like to call him. And, of course, there's the prophet Daniel. And that's where the whole Son of Man, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. It comes from Daniel. Daniel's a great, great book, one of my favorites in the whole Bible. So those are the four major prophets, but there are 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. You all are intimately familiar with the book of Obadiah, I assume. Jonah. Now, of course, we know about Jonah. Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai. Zechariah and Malachi. So how about that? So those are the 12 minor prophets. But these aren't the prophets that this guy was talking about who wrote the story. His name is Matt, Matt D'Antuano. Matt D'Antuano. Really good piece in the NC Register blog section. And we have a, we'll put a link to it in the show notes, by the way. So don't never fear. Uh, you don't have to go Googling it right now. But I, I want to I share some of this with you and comment on it. And the piece is called A Consideration of the Major Prophets, Bradbury, Orwell, and Huxley. And of course, this is a reference to uh, three books that came out in the 20th century. Aldous Huxley wrote Brave New World in the year 1932. And Brave New World, by the way, is a dystopian novel. Um, uh, Aldous Huxley uh, was British. He wrote it in 1931. It was published in 1932. And it was sort of set in this futuristic world, the futuristic world state. And, and this is, listen to this. Okay, so this is, the, uh, this, is the, this is the summary of the book according to Wikipedia. Largely set in a futuristic world state whose citizens are environmentally engineered into an intelligence-based social hierarchy. 
If we're living in, a, in an intelligence-based social hierarchy, I am definitely going to be sinking to the bottom there. But this novel anticipates huge scientific advancements in reproductive technology. Well, we, we haven't seen that, have we? I'm, I'm being facetious, by the way. Of course we have. Sleep learning. This is inter- intriguing. Sleep learning. Psychological manipulation and classical conditioning, all of which are combined to create a dystopian society which is challenged by the protagonist in the story. So that that's the first of the major prophets who have predicted our times, Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, 1932. Con- confession time, I haven't read Brave New World, but that's okay. And many of you probably haven't read it either. It doesn't matter. You don't need to know what the book is about necessarily, and you don't need to have read it for us to follow the argument here. Now, here, here's, a one, here's one that I actually have read, and maybe you've read it as well. Uh, 1984. 1984. Remember when 1984 was like a long time in the future? Well, this book was written in 1949, again, by the English writer, another English writer, George Orwell, who also wrote Animal Farm, another book I've actually read. Uh, So 1984, another dystopian novel, and it's a cautionary tale published on the 8th of June, 1949. It was the final book that George Orwell wrote. And it's all about totalitarianism, mass surveillance, and the repressive regimentation of people and behaviors within society. So at, at the time when he wrote it, George Orwell was modeling this authoritarian state, Big Brother, and has nothing to do with the reality TV show. By the way, that, that sort of thing, that, that's going to be talked about too, the whole phenomenon of these types of shows. It kind of fits into this in a certain sense. So he based it on the Soviet Union and in, in, in the era of Stalin, and also, of course, uh, Nazi Germany, which was operational in Orwell's time. But, but more so than that, that one of the big themes is that the way that f- people can play with the facts and people can manipulate the truth uh, in, w- in ways that suit them the best. So th- that's, that's another important profit and prophetic work of our time, 1984, by George Orwell. And then the last of the three major prophets that this guy mentions, Matt D'Antuano, in his article, is a 1953 book. So this is the, the most recent book. 1953, written by American writer Ray Bradbury, Fahrenheit 451. Fahrenheit 451. Another one that I haven't actually read. Fahrenheit 451 is about an American culture where books have been outlawed and quote-unquote firemen burn any of these books that are found. They kind of ban books, if you will. And the protagonist of the novel is Guy Montag, who is a fireman. He's, he's out to burn the books. He becomes very disillusioned with this, censoring literature, destroying knowledge. He eventually quits and tries to commit his cause to preserving cultural literary writings. Now, Ray Bradbury changed his story about why he wrote this book about three different times at least. He wrote it during um, the McCarthyism era, and then it was, it was this sort of attempt, as you might know about this, to try to weed out who might be communists in American life, secret communists. And now the communists are kind of out in the open. We know who they are. Um, they're proud of it. They're proud of it. And it's also kind of inspired by Nazi Germany book burnings, uh, the Soviet Union repressing, you know, any kind of dissenting thought to its uh, um, 
you know, regime, as it were. You know, he said in 1956 in a radio interview, Ray Bradbury said that he wrote Fahrenheit 451 because he was concerned about potential book burnings in the United States. Later on, he kind of changed the story a little bit. Maybe he's trying to sort of, hey, this, this book is perpetually relevant. Maybe that's what he's trying to say. So later on, he tried to say that it's really a commentary on mass media and how when people consume mass media, it reduces people's interests in reading, in actually reading literature. And he, obviously, I think he's bang on about that. But then in 1994, he said, well, it's, it's really an allegory about political correctness. He said political correctness is, quote, the real enemy these days. And he, called, he said it's thought control and freedom of speech control, end of quote. Now, all of these things could be true at the same time. But uh, I thought that was very, very intriguing. So those are the three prophets of our age, if you will, and how, how these kind of works fit into where we find ourselves right now. I think this is really, really intriguing. We're going to get into some actual concrete examples of how this is playing out in our time in the 21st century in the United States, in North America, and really in the world. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Got to take a quick break right now, but we will be right back. 888-914. This sounds like a song from 1984. 888-914-9149. We'll be right back. This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. We're talking about the prophets of our age, three 20th century writers that eerily predicted our current predicament, our current cultural situation. And if you have a comment on that, you can call in 888-914-9149. I want to remind you also, before we get going here, for this second segment on the Kale Clark Show, that Pope Francis has asked all of us Catholics and others, people of goodwill, to pray, to fast, and to do penance for peace in the Middle East. We're going to do this tomorrow on October the 27th. Obviously, the war in the Middle East uh, between Israel and Hamas is intensifying, and we need you to join us uh, your relevant radio brothers and sisters worldwide praying for peace in the Middle East. And we're going to do this specifically at three times throughout the day on relevant radio during the noon central time mass, the divine mercy chaplet at 3 PM central during the Drew Mariani show and the family rosary across America at 7 PM central right here on relevant radio and on our app, our lady queen of peace, pray for us, pray for us. So we're continuing this discussion about the prophets, the major prophets of our time. Aldous Huxley, who wrote Brave New World, 1932. George Orwell, who wrote 1984 in 1949. And Fahrenheit 451, written by the American author Ray Bradbury in 1953. And Matt Dantuano over at NCR Blogs has, has a piece up on this. It's really, really good. Uh, we put it in the show notes. And he, he said that when he first read Brave New World, when he was in high school, he says that he vividly remembers thinking that he was introduced now to the meaning of life. And he couldn't quite put his finger on it, what that really meant. But it had something to do with the character John's decision 
to live a life, he says, apart from the technological comforts that were provided in the brave new world. And then he also read 1984. He also read Fahrenheit 451. Both of them also dystopian novels that were warnings about what the world was possibly going to look like someday. Now, he also says this, Matt D'Antuano, that these guys weren't just imagining some sort of far-off future. And they, wow, they just happen to be right about things that are happening in the 2020s. But these are things that were actually happening, at least in incipient form, in their own day. And they were just kind of smart enough, they were sharp enough, they were incisive enough and insightful enough to see this and put their finger on it and actually explain it. And so Matt Antuano said that as he's come back to these books now as an adult, he's absolutely shocked how insightful they were and how accurate they were. The advancement of technology, he says, has only enhanced the ability of the powerful to enforce dystopian ideals. So he kind of gives a little summary of what he thinks each one of these books got right. And again, you don't need to have read these books yourself to, to figure this out. So let's start with 1984 by George Orwell. And again, this is one that I've actually read, but it was a long, long time ago. But I, I, was, I remember being really struck by this. The first thing that George Orwell really talks about in the book is news and information control. So during, during the Spanish Civil War, and this is a conflict that most Catholics are unaware of, brutal conflict that happened in the 1930s in Spain, that have fomented in the 1920s and really just broke out into all-out civil war. Catholics were massacred by the thousands. Priests were hung in the streets, shot on sight. Uh, St. Jose Maria Escrivá, the founder of Opus Dei, lived through this nightmare and uh, barely escaped with his own life. In fact, one day, uh, he returned home to see a priest that was hung in front of the house where he was living. It was another priest that people thought was him, and they killed him instead. And anyways, just a harrowing uh, part of history in the 20th century that a lot of people don't know about. Orwell also looked at what was going on in England during World War II and government intervention in the news. And now, of course, we see this every single day. But it's not necessarily governments, although they have a hand in it, for, to be sure, controlling information that people receive. It's big tech. It's big tech. And a lot of people, I think one of the reasons why people are upset with Elon Musk about buying Twitter is because he's kind of messing with the plan that that a lot of corporations have and a lot of social media sites have. I'm not mentioning anyone in particular, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, to, to manipulate people's news feeds, what they see, what they hear, what, what they think is what they think is important for you to know about. And governments can obviously influence this as well. We've seen this happen during elections, governments at home and abroad trying to influence policy. But, um, Big tech is certainly involved in trying to control the narrative about what information is available to you. The second thing that that 1984 really talks about is the surveillance state, the surveillance state. This is a big time concern of our age. Uh, Obviously, in, in China, we hear about this through the news that facial recognition systems are being set up all over the place. Social credit scores are being implemented. Will this come to our shores. We don't know for sure, but Big Brother, of course, in 1984, has cameras, microphones everywhere. And this this has obviously become a reality for us. We carry them with us, our smartphones, our devices. Um, Everything that we do, really, there's a record of it. And and our privacy is obviously a paramount concern here. 
the digital footprint that you leave behind. And again, who's controlling this? Who knows about your whereabouts? Corporations like Google, like Microsoft, and people have their... Apple really prides itself on, on keeping your privacy safe. safe. If you've seen their advertisements, that's one of the things that they trumpet. Uh, some people have their doubts even about them. But nonetheless, um, that's a, has obviously a big point of differentiation for them. If, if you know, and How much you trust them, how much you believe them, people kind of fall on various places on that spectrum. Language control, that's the, that's the third thing that 1984 really brings about. And Matt D'Antuano says, quote, one of the government's major projects in this book is its dictionary. It has its own dictionary and the simplification of language. Why? Because language expresses thought. And if you can eliminate certain words, certain thoughts can no longer be expressed. Today, our government has taken on the task also of defining words like marriage, like the proper use of pronouns, end of quote. That's certainly the case. Um, Jordan Peterson, I don't think it was... I don't, I, 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 you'd be hard-pressed to find a person who doesn't know who Jordan Peterson is. But not too long ago, hardly anybody knew who this guy was. Professor at the University of Toronto, known in his field, of course, of psychology, but not a, not a figure on the world stage at all. How he rocketed to fame initially was because he resisted what he called forced speech on campus, where students were demanding that they be referred to by their own preferred pronouns. He was like, I'm not doing that. And, and he, it became a huge international uh, snafu, which catapulted him uh, into a huge platform. So language control. That, that's, so those are, those are three things that we see here in um, 1984. But it's also the, a couple of overlapping themes with the second prophet that we're going to talk about, the prophet of our time who lived in a slightly more, not, not so far away time, the, the 1900s, the 20th century, Aldous Huxley, the British writer who wrote Brave New World. Now, some of the stuff is, a, is even darker. One of the themes in Brave New World is the sexualization of children. And Matt D'Antuano writes this. He says, quote, In the book, children are trained in sexual promiscuity from a young age so that when they grow up, they will not form attachments. The goal is to destroy the family so that the ruling powers can control life from its very beginning to its very end. Families get in the way of a smoothly running society. Isn't that chilling? It goes on to say, today children are being sexualized through literature and the content they consume on the internet. End of quote. This is a, a major, major uh, point of uh, prophecy by Aldous Huxley. Um, I'm sure when he wrote this, a lot of people were just disgusted by, by the thought, but we see this happening, this idea of destroying the family. The family, of course, is the cell, not only the, the building block uh, of society, but of the church as well. So the enemy knows that if you can destroy the family, you can destroy the church, you can destroy the world. All of us come from some sort of a family. Some have had struggles. Every family is made up of sinners, including yours truly. And our family of origin shapes who we are in very important ways uh, for good or for ill. That's why family health is, is so important. If, 
if the cell of society becomes cancerous, then, then the body will eventually die. So this is really at the heart of, I think, uh, Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul the Great, his theology of the body. So crucial uh, when it comes to all of this, a proper understanding of the family. What's at the heart of the family? Marriage. What's at the heart of marriage? It's the one flesh union between husband and wife. And so if you can sort of destroy that, that, that image of the body, and our bodies are sexual, of course, male and female, then you've gone a long way towards destroying society. And of course, the transgender movement, of course, plays into that. Uh, our own Timory here on Relevant Radio has been very prophetic and um, letting you know about all that stuff and, and how, to, uh, how to counteract that. But it's, it's really interesting, though, this... Um, and tragic, this the, the whole thing with sexualization of children. Obviously, um, another thing we could mention here is the movement, which I'm sure you've noticed, to uh, transform pedophilia into something... Uh, people trying to say, it's not so bad. It's just a preference. Uh, they're calling it minor attracted persons, MAPs. You might have heard that term. Uh, trying to normalize uh, this very disordered and, and evil inclination... And so that, that's a problem. I remember once, a few years ago, walking in the mall, speaking of the sexualization of children, um, malls are interesting places to go for a lot of different reasons. One, I remember the famous investor, Peter Lynch, who wrote the book One Up on Wall Street. He used to say, if you go to the mall and you kind of walk around, you kind of know what people are into, maybe companies to invest in, um, if you're in the restaurant business, especially if you're in that field, you notice, oh, man, this Chipotle thing looks really interesting. It seems to be really taking off. Maybe I should invest in this company. Great customer service experiences you have. You sort of notice this. You note this. What are the products and services that people want? You might want to think about these companies. Um, but malls, I think, are also interesting for the, for the cultural zeitgeist as well. You're looking at, looking at trends. You're looking at what, what people are into. And I remember a few years ago walking around a huge mall in, in the greater Toronto area, and there's a store called Licenza Girl. Now, Licenza is kind of this lingerie store. It, it's a little bit like Victoria's Secret. So it'd be the, it was, so it was called Licenza Girl. It was literally like lingerie for young girls. I, I was like, I could not believe this. I'm like, this is definitely one of the seven signs of the apocalypse, if there ever was one. This is just... There's something deeply, deeply disturbing about this. It's, it's like having a Victoria's Secret for girls, as it were. So, yeah, this, this idea of the sexualization of children is a huge cultural problem right now. The other thing that Brave New World mentions is language control. And this is kind of tied into the, the, the thing we just talked about in a, in a certain way. Because in Brave New World, the citizens can't stop themselves from laughing when they hear certain words. Why is this? So words like mother, people just start laughing when they hear the word mother. Why? Because the family has been destroyed. There's no mothers. What are you talking about? So just like in 1984, there's language control, but this time it's accomplished without the government. And, and, and in today's world, a viral video can, can take a, a word, a, a, a name, a phrase, and turn it into a punchline very, very quickly. And my, my wife, Trish, was telling me that, I mean, this sounds, sounds strange, but she said, this actually happened to me. I, I was telling her about this. This is what I'm going to talk about tonight. And she said, this actually happened to me when I was teaching. She was teaching these uh, eighth grade girls at a Catholic school. 
Catholic school, I mean, allegedly very, um, you know, professing Catholic school, I would say as well. So she said, whenever I was talking about Mary, you know, I'd mention the Virgin Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the, and, and the, the girls would start laughing. Not, not at the name of Mary, but just at the word virgin. Why? Because no, nobody's a virgin. No, nobody, who, what girl would want to be? You know, it's just like, it was, a, it, was a, it was a subject of derision, even in a Catholic school. And that, that was a huge eye-opener for her. So we, we see this sort of thing happening today. And then the, the last thing here, we'll move on to, um, to your calls in just a second, 888 In the Brave New World book by Aldous Huxley, which he wrote again in 1931, published in 1932, it kind of prophesied people's dependence on pharmaceuticals because everybody has this government-issued drug, which is called the soma. It's interesting because... Uh, the word soma means uh, means body in, in Greek. It's interesting. But this government-issued drug called soma, and anybody can take it anytime they start to feel off in any way. If you're, if you're not happy for any reason, any, no matter what's going on, you can take this thing. And we seem to have pharmaceuticals today for just about everything. For any occasion, for any malady, you can take a pill. Uh, a jagged little pill, if you will. It's the 30th anniversary of jagged little pill. I can't believe that. Anyways, um, so do you know, Al- Alanis Morissette was actually at my prom. I'm that's a huge rabbit trail, but we'll talk about that another time. But anyways, this idea of pills, me- uh, pharmaceuticals uh, for anything uh, to get you to this ideal state is um, is is something else. Um, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that are using gummies, edibles, marijuana-based stuff, and, and I don't think it's a problem at all. Um, that's a whole other topic, too, for another time, too. Walking around downtown Toronto, because it's all legal now in Canada, and it's coming to a state near you. I mean, the the smell of downtown Toronto now is is it's marijuana. It's pot. That's all you can smell. That's all you can smell. Is, is the hippie lettuce everywhere you go. And I know that uh, there's an argument that there could be worse things out there. Um, and uh, but, but this whole idea of the medicated society, I think, is something that, that needs to be explored uh, quite a bit. 888 We're talking about some books that came out in the 20th century that were hugely prophetic for our time. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Let's go to Ronnie in Brooklyn. Hey, Ronnie. Hi, Kale. Uh, I was just telling the... Uh receptionist on the phone that uh, what's happening today has been happening since the beginning of creation and it's all explained in the Bible like for instance you take uh, excuse me yeah yeah go ahead You're, we can hear you keep what's going what's hap- uh, uh, it sounds like we lost Ronnie there so sorry about that Ronnie you can you can try to try to get back in triple eight nine one four nine one four nine yeah, it, it is true. I mean, in terms of, I don't know what you're going to say there, but uh, obviously God knows human nature very, very well. He created us, and so we see patterns repeating. We see God always acts the same in salvation history, and very often humans do as well. One of the things that we're um, doing right now on the Faith Explained program is we're looking at St. Paul's letter to the Romans. And we had to take a little bit of a break for a couple of days uh, because I caught COVID, so, I mean, life happens. Uh, so we've been uh, sharing with you some classic episodes 
of the faith explained over the last couple of days on the Holy Spirit, a beginner's guide. And boy, do we ever need to get to know the Holy Spirit. And we're all beginners when it comes to life and the Spirit. He's kind of the great unknown, the persons of the Trinities. We need to get to know him better. So check those out. But when we get back to Romans in a, in a couple of days, we're going to be talking about uh, St. Paul's diagnosis of the culture in his day. And you can read this in Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, and it is bleak, but it's, again, exactly the same stuff that's happening right now. It's very intriguing how um, history doesn't always repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme, as Mark Twain said. It's true of, of the way we are. And, and God, of course, is always the same as well. And his answer is always the same. Repentance, uh, the forgiveness that he offers us. For sure, you're listening to The Cale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. All right, so let's talk about now, really quickly, uh, Fahrenheit 451. This is the third major book. There's 1984. There is a Brave New World, and then there's Fahrenheit 451, which again was written in 1953 by the American writer Ray Bradbury. Also intriguing for our times, the big, big theme in this book is book burning. The protagonist of the book, a big theme here is obsession with the media. So in, in the book, the protagonist's wife apparently spends a lot of her time in a room that has three walls of screens. Why? So that she can be with her quote-unquote family. Now, who is her family, quote-unquote? The characters in the shows that she watches. So for her, the media she's consuming is more real than the actual family that she's living with. <laughs> know anybody like this? <laughs> uh, I remember even, I mean, growing up after school, you'd go to friends' houses, and very often their moms were, um, hey, they're watching soap operas, you know, uh, General Hospital, Days of Our Lives, Another World, whatever, whatever it, whatever it was, and that was that was their story. Like they were like so into it, and they would never miss an episode. You know what's going on between Luke and Laura? If you remember that, um, hey, the, the people were obsessing over this stuff. Oh, but hey, guys have their soap operas as well, right? I mean, we let's face it, we do. Um, we had the A Team. We had you know, what did we have? I don't know. Um, Dallas, you know, I, I don't know. Men and women watch that one, I guess, but. J.R. Ewing, how about that? Man, man, they just don't do TV like they used to. But this obsession with media is very much what's going on in our own day and age, except it's, it's, it's on steroids. It's on steroids. We, 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 we do the exact same thing. We spend so much time, so much energy with very often mindless and very often meaningless entertainments. But as Matt D'Antuano says in his piece, the one thing Bradbury got wrong about this was the size of the screen. Instead of wall-sized screens, we have millions of tiny screens to bring with us everywhere we go. Now, some people do have big walls. Some of my friends have these big 60, 70-inch plasmas on which they watch Thursday night football. And the Buffalo Bills are playing tonight. Yes, I'm excited about that. Um, that's okay. That, watching that stuff is okay. I'm only kidding. But, uh, hey, I do watch the NFL, as you know. Anyways, um, uh, so some people have the big screens, but yeah, the, these screens in our pockets are very often the world in which we're actually inhabiting the social media world, not to mention stuff we can stream, Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, whatever it may be. That's that's a huge deal. Obsession with media. I think Bradbury got that right in his predictions. I don't know what you guys think about this. 888 914 
Here's another, here's another thing that um, Bradbury predicted. And again, a big theme was book burning here, the suppression of great literature. So why do people burn books? Because they're deemed as being too dangerous. We don't want to give people these ideas. If nobody reads the great books, if nobody thinks about the great ideas, freedom, justice, goodness, beauty, and truth, the transcendentals, right? People can be controlled. So how do you control them? Well, we don't want them reading these things. We want to fill their minds and their attention with mindless entertainments so that they'll become less human. They'll become more like lemmings, as D'Antuano says. So, again, another big difference between the world of Fahrenheit 451 and our actual world in the 21st century is that the government doesn't even have to do this to us because people are doing it to themselves with an assist, again, from technology, you could say big corporate, that sort of thing. So one of the big themes that runs through all three of these works, 1984, Fahrenheit 451, Brave New World, is this idea of suppression of the great books, obviously including the Bible. And uh, D'Antuano thinks it's actually the theme, that, that's kind of this plumb line that runs through all three of them. So in a sense, if you just do the opposite of what's going on in these books, this is how to rebuild the culture read the great books. And he talks about Mortimer Adler, who, who wrote the great books of the Western world. And Adler pointed out that the great books in, in, in that collection, he chose them because they talk about the great ideas. And these are the things that make us truly human, along with the scriptures, of course. These are the ideas that give meaning to life. They make life worth living. Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living. And I would also add to that, the unexamined faith is not worth believing. That's why it's really important for us to know our faith really well. Why we believe it, what we believe it, what we believe and why we believe it. So th this, th in a sense, as D'Antuano says, these books, Fahrenheit 451, 1984, Brave New World, they show us what the unexamined life can lead to uh, and maybe the unexamined faith as well. So I thought this was, um, this was, a, this is really key. And this whole idea of suppression of books as well. Here, here's, this is a true story. Um, maybe this has happened in your city, in your community. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. This is a, an absolutely true story I'm going to tell you. And you might laugh at this or you might think, uh-huh, I've seen this uh, happen um, locally as well. In, in the greater Toronto area in which I live, um, there's a story that came out on CBC News about uh, a girl named, uh, I think her name is uh, Rita Tanaka, grade 10 student, of Japanese Canadian descent went into her local library or school library, high school library, the first day of school and half the shelves were empty. Over 50% of the books were gone. Why is that? Because the school board decided arbitrarily that anything published before 2008 was no longer relevant. The year 2008. Can you believe this? So the diary of Anne Frank gone. Um, even Harry Potter, gone. And I know people argue about, you know, Catholics and other Christians argue about whether, you know, people of faith should be reading Harry Potter, but I don't think anybody would seriously suggest we should burn this book or maybe some would. But, but so none of this stuff is, is available in the library. None of the great classics of literature, because they're not politically correct, perhaps, or they don't use inclusive language. So this, this was, became a huge story. And she's saying, like, hey, as, as someone of Japanese 
uh, descent, I can't even find a book about the internment camps that happened during World War II when every Japanese citizen was shuffled off to these internment camps during, you know, thought that they're instruments of, of, of the Japanese government uh, in North America. So anyways, there's been a huge pushback against this. But can you, this stuff is happening now in North America in the year 2023. This is the Kale Clark Show. I want to get your takes on this. So we'll be back with your phone calls right after this quick break. 888-914-9149. Be right back. Faith, facts, and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149. Hey, you got to get that number in your phone. Save it as a contact Put a picture of me there, and you can call me anytime. Just press it and dial 888-914-9149. That's the listener line sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters for the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. We're talking about three prophets of our time, 20th century authors whose works were eerily predictive of what we're going through right now. Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, 1984 by George Orwell and Fahrenheit. 451 by Ray Bradbury. So before we get back to this in your phone calls, 888-914-9149. I want to remind you once again that tomorrow's a big day because Pope Francis has called for all Catholics and people of goodwill to pray, to fast, and do penance uh, for peace in the Middle East. On October the 22nd, or it's 27th rather, tomorrow, Friday, as the war between Israel and Hamas intensifies, and we want you to join your relevant radio family worldwide praying for peace in the Middle East during Mass at noon Central, during the Divine Mercy Chapel at 3 p.m. Central, and the Family Rosary Across America at 7 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. I think a lot about the Battle of Lepanto, uh, which essentially saved uh, the West and Our Lady's intercession. It is powerful, uh, so we've got to do this. All right, let's go back to the phones right now. Let's go to... Jim in Rockford, Illinois, is there on line number five? Hey, Jim, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you're talking about prophets of the 20th century, and nobody's mentioned mm. Paul VI. Yeah, well, we were talking about we were talking about some specifically uh, uh, an article about these three books of the 20th century. These guys proved to be prophetic, but they were far from the only prophets in the 20th century. And you mentioned Pope Paul VI now. I think I know where you're going with this, Jim, but how do you feel that he was prophetic about our current situation? Humani Vitae. Mm, yes, of course. Yep. You got it. You got it. And that's interesting because one of the books that we referenced talked about this, that in the future there'd be, this is in Brave New World, reproductive technologies would be all over the place. And, and we see this. Um, uh, Humani Vitae, uh, promulgated by uh, Pope Paul VI in 1968, obviously dealt with contraception. Contraception is not a new thing. It's been around since the beginning of time, but the technologies have changed. And so uh, one of the, he, pre, he predicted a, a few things would happen if contraception became widespread. Number one, he predicted that this would lead to a, a vast increase in the number of abortions because obviously abortion is the backup plan when your contraception doesn't work. Contraception itself is an abortifacient in a lot of cases, can cause a chemically induced abortion at the earliest stage of pregnancy. We know this. He also said that you'd see a lot more extramarital affairs, adultery would happen because people think they can't get caught. One of the things that used to prevent people 
from cheating on their spouses at a human level was there might be a child involved here. Uh, if I have this affair, that's a reason not to do it. Uh, you can say maybe that's not the best reason. The best reason is uh, loving God and loving your spouse and wanting to keep the commandments. But at a human level, at least, I was a deterrent. That becomes less and less because of contraceptive technology. Respect for women, he said, would go way, way downhill in society. We've seen this, obviously, with the advent not only of... And this became, it became more prevalent for women to be the objects of use uh, in a relationship. And Pope, Pope John Paul II, of course, who um, knew very well uh, Pope Paul VI, then collaborated with him on a lot of things, uh, Second Vatican Council, and kind of continued this in his teaching on human sexuality and marriage, the theology of the body. And even before that, love and responsibility, he said. And really, the the key thought of that of that work, love and responsibility, was to love someone is the very opposite of what it means to use someone. And very often, what passes for love in our culture is nothing more than use, especially in a sexual sense. And and this idea of women becoming objects um, is all over the place, especially in in the in the in the pornographied culture in, in which we live. So, so many things that, that Paul VI predicted uh, that have tragically come, come to pass. And, um, and he was a very brave man, talking about Brave New World. He was very brave to stand up to so many forces, uh, both within the church, uh, tragically and without, uh, who wanted to see him uh, reverse uh, the moral teaching of the church, which can't be done anyways. Uh, but um, he was tragically disappointed. Um, that's a whole other story. I, uh, books could be written about that, and sure many have been. So thanks for mentioning Pope Paul VI as well. All right, let's go to Angie in Palmetto, Florida. Hi, Angie. Hi, how are you? Great. I just wanted to know that this topic has just catapulted you into my number one spot at Relevant Radio. <laughs> oh, well, you're very kind. Thank you. Thank you very much, Angie. I appreciate that. Yeah, so um, the one thing that stood out to me about Fahrenheit 451, it's been uh, so long since I've read it, is that the reason the antagonist was able to get, not just the antagonist, but, you know, the whole group um, was able to get control over the populace was that everybody was offended by everything. And I feel we are Hmm. completely in that stage right now. And it makes me, it makes me ponder, you know, the, you know, how the NFL is, you know, promoting all these non-Catholic ideas, baseball, Budweiser. It's like they're purposely trying to attack the um, hobbies or things that people in America love to do with their family. Well, I think it's so what it's, it's interesting that you said that. Yeah, because I, I know I know a lot of people. Uh, who have boycotted the NFL for various reasons, um, and you know that's that's their decision. I and I, I respect that. And, and this this whole idea of, I, th- I think there's just a general uh, lowering of civil civil discourse in, in America. Angie, I'm not sure if you'd agree with that, but I, I don't think people can have. It's very difficult to have even calm discussions about with people with whom we we disagree about anything, whether it's politics, religion, and those are things that obviously, you know, are huge touch points. And, and let's, not, let's not sugarcoat this either. The war that's going on in the Middle East right now has, religion is a huge part of this. And if you don't see that, you know, I, I can't help you there. This is not just a political thing. I, I think just a moment's thought will give you 
um, some food for thought on, on that. There, there's no question that uh, a militant jihadic Islam is certainly behind a lot of what Hamas is up to. There's no question about it. Um, it's a religious, it's a religious topic that has to be that has to be brought up and, and dealt with. Um, but it, but so many things. And, and G.K. Chesterton said the two things that people don't want to talk about at parties: politics and religion. They're really the two most important topics because God, you know, religion has to do with love of God, and politics has to do with love of neighbor. How to how to do that properly? And and man, it, it's been incredibly. Uh, hard, especially in the and there's lots of political news today. Of course, new Speaker of the House was elected. Lots of talk about that. Lots of chatter about that. Lots of angst about that. Um, very, very polarizing situation uh, in in the world. And um, anyways, I kind of you know talked about a lot of different things here, Angie. But I really do uh, appreciate that. That um, hey, you like the show and and what we're talking about and. We want to talk about things that you want to hear about. So this is why it's great for you to email the show. Again, the email address is kale at relevantradio.com, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. If you want to send me a show idea or like, why don't you talk about this? Have you ever considered talking about this? We would love to hear from you. So tragically, we are out of time today, but we'll be back. There's other stuff I wanted to get to, but we'll get to it tomorrow. And you can call in tomorrow if we didn't get to. I know a lot of you guys are there. Uh, Dan, Rudy, Dean, Ronnie, I see you guys there. Uh, call back tomorrow. We'll try to get you in. Also, our hearts and, and, and very sincere prayers go out to everybody listening in Maine. We have a lot of listeners to Relevant Radio in Maine, from Maui to, to Maine, right, from coast to coast. Uh, we are here for you. And the tragic shooting rampage that's happening in Maine, uh, our prayers are with all the victims and their families. And uh, as far as I know, the shooter is still at large. So let's pray that the authorities uh, reprehend uh, this, this, this individual and uh, bring him to justice. So stay tuned to Relevant Radio for the rest of the evening. We've got some incredible stuff planned for you. Timory is up next, followed by Father and the Family Rosary across America. This is Cale Clark. So good to be back with you today. I'll join you for The Faith Explained tomorrow at 1230 Central as well. Jim Shaper produced, and so did you guys, shadow producers of The Kale Clark Show. Miranda Sinaceros took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.